Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the WTF1 podcast. Today, I love in the little nodding, Katie, as well. Love that. Uh, today, we're talking about the Turkish Grand Prix. And, uh, well, a wet, not as slippery Grand Prix as we predicted in our pre-Turkey podcast. But, I say but, I was about to, go, I was about to be like hyping. Like, oh, wow, wasn't it a great race? Probably one of the worst wet races we've we've seen in quite a while. Would you, mm. would, you would you agree? It would have been... <laughs> I think we've been spoiled this year is the problem. I think the hype killed it because I don't think I've ever been so excited and nervous for a Grand Prix in quite a long while. It felt like it had every ingredient, you know, the championships on the line, wet race, Hamilton's at the back. But unfortunately, well, we'll go into it, but yeah, it just, it's not, a fair bit happened, but it just wasn't that great for a wet race, unfortunately. Yeah, there are plenty of like storylines up and down the grid that were exciting in their own ways. But generally, as a spectacle, there were lots of drivers that I feel I just completely forgot almost that they were in the race, like the McLarens and stuff. Lots of people that are normally up at the front making the headlines sort of just blended into the background a bit. But I don't think it was the worst race of the year. I think Portimao was maybe slightly more uh, dull, but... Yeah, I think Tommy's right in saying that there was a lot of hype going into this race. Um, and unfortunately, we hyped out too much that it kind of just <laughs> killed, <by laughs> killed the I, I, I don't think we were particularly to blame. I don't feel like we were on the absolute hype train. I felt like, you know, we were reasonably excited. You know, we we're expecting 2021 to just deliver again. And they gave us the conditions, but apparently we were just having a little break. So uh, anyway, it was. It, we'll, we'll dive into, you know, whether we think it was the worst race of the season. I think with all conditions taken into account maybe you could say with the fact that our expectations were plummeting anyway i think there was some also some interesting strategy at the same time so it wasn't the worst race uh, by any means right let's move on to some three word race reviews carl walsh says stay awake max dhl f1 guy 44 he's been watching our dhl sponsored video from the other week <laughs> uh, dry never came and griffin oh come on you, you, you're putting that name in there tommy are you trying to it's a dyke. No, Griffin dyke. Dot two. Okay. All right. We'll call it that. <laughs> National Porridge Day. <laughs> I didn't uh, even look at the name, genuinely. <laughs> I know you I don't. should you probably look me... at the names yeah. in case we get cancelled. You like, literally really give me the worst things. names and you say that you don't look at the names. And I completely agree with you. Uh, so, yeah, stay awake, Max. He, he said afterwards it was a. He, I was always trying to stay awake, wasn't he? That, I think that literally was his, uh, his yeah, words. Probably the most boring race ever. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, he was just chilling in P2, couldn't catch Bottas, and away he goes. Dry never came, which for us F1 fans is a very weird thing to be wishing <laughs> for uh, these days, but we wanted it to dry out, so we had some element of strategy, and Esteban Ocon may have made one pit stop. And uh, National Porridge Day, which is the, just the, the craziest <laughs> linking of two worlds I've, I've ever seen. Uh, Tommy, three-word recipe, please. Mine is second drivers deliver. And Ooh. it is, of course, about Bottas and Perez, who have been scrutinised quite a lot this year. And I think it's fair to, because they've had some pretty poor races this year. Um, but both of them were, well, brilliant yesterday, really. Um, Bottas obviously led from pole. I think I wouldn't be alone in thinking that as soon as it was raining, thinking, well, this has got Bottas going off at turn one, written all over <laughs> it. Doesn't like the wet conditions 
we've spoken about how every single damp race recently he's really really struggled but he was absolutely faultless so fair play to him and then Perez as well wasn't um you know he had a, a poor qualifying admittedly but his race was really really good we saw exactly why Red Bull hired him um you know with his brilliant defending with Hamilton uh getting back on the podium which it feels like forever since he's been on the podium um and one of the points I wanted to make was that while because Max and Lewis are so close in this championship it genuinely could be what Bottas and Perez do on the track that decides this world title if they're in the fight you know like Bottas took points from Max there uh, by winning the race Perez equally took points from Lewis by defending for everything he could uh, to defend that place and because there seems nothing to separate Max and Lewis these are the two drivers that could really affect this title which is quite crazy to think. And they've not really affected the title too much so far, have they? Uh, both of them have had quite mediocre seasons. Uh, they've had glimmers of hope, but generally I guess, speaking... I guess Bottas affected it quite a bit in Hungary, but that's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I agree, yeah, second drivers did deliver. Uh, I think Valtteri's performance was crucial and perhaps slightly better. Obviously, he won the race and was you know, not even close to being caught really by Max or anyone from behind. Uh, he did exactly what he needed to do, which he hasn't done, you know, for the majority of this season, you know, just stick it right next to Lewis and, and be really solid in, in the race. And, you know, I tweeted, I think after the race that the biggest thing for me was that he, he came back from not even a year ago. You know, we were at Turkey. What in, was it November? Last yeah. year, yeah. Um, to come back to Turkey after having his worst Formula One race in his career by a country mile to then mm. come to Turkey this year and it be damp conditions, slightly unpredictable, and to be, you know, as you said, Tommy, faultless is shows a huge amount of mental strength, in my opinion. And the fact that he was able to do that, maybe there's a, a, a sense of relief as well of, you know, knowing where he's going next year, knowing that Mercedes won't be, you know, on his back come next year. So perhaps there is that element of, you know, relaxing and just taking it as it comes. And I feel like that really did show yesterday uh, for the race. So, yeah, for Valtteri, solid performance. Uh, as for Sergio... Yeah, I was incredibly impressed that he managed to keep Lewis behind. I don't think his pace was anything to sit, you know, celebrate because I feel like he was quite far behind on Max in terms of pace. But at the same time, he finished P3, took points away from Lewis and Red Bull aren't expecting him to be, you know, a match for, for Max. So he did everything he needed to do, P3. And uh, yeah, uh, it was a solid day for the second drivers. It was, like you say, Bottas inherited pole from Lewis uh, on the Saturday. So, you know, could argue that he didn't get that off his own merit, but still a uh, pretty much faultless drive. He had a tiny little blip at turn one at one point in the race. But like you say, last year finished P14, I think it was. He managed to spin six times in the race and it was just an absolute nightmare for him. So, like you say, when we tuned in on Sunday and I saw that it was raining and that we were probably going to have the inters, I was thinking, oh my goodness, Bottas is going to do something at turn one here. Because I remember before Hungary, I messaged Tommy and said, like, this has got all the signs of Bottas making a big mistake here, to which he did. 
Um, and I thought, I really hope that we don't get a deja vu of that. And I mean, we now know that Valtteri is going to be leaving Mercedes at the end of the season. He's going on to Alfa Romeo. And I'm sure that in his mind, he probably knew this is going to be one of my last chances, if not my last chance to take a victory for Mercedes or even like his last victory in Formula One. I mean, obviously with the technical regulations, we don't have much of a clue of like who's going to be top next year, but it seems quite a slim chance that that's going to be Alfa Romeo unless, you know, a miracle happens, but <laughs> you never know. Stranger things have happened this season in Formula One. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really pleased to see him take that victory. I'm quite glad we didn't get, I was thinking after the race, you know, his typical, you know, to every or who it may concern, F you and all this kind of stuff that he normally does on the radio after winning a race. We didn't <laughs> I mean, hear much of that. That's unfair to say he does it every single time he wins. I mean, it was... It was He's done it like win. two, three his times. His last yeah. win Twice. was the, the most that, embarrassing yeah. one. It was inappropriate yeah. when he did you it could, in Russia. You could it? argue yeah. that that was a more fitting... I, I know, I guess Lewis had the penalty, but that that it was one of those races where essentially he did prove the doubt was wrong because I think... Oh, undoubtedly, when yeah. It was, when it was raining, yes, Lewis was out the question because of the penalty, and you've got to think Lewis could well have... Well, probably would have won the race um, if he had been starting from pole, very, very likely. Um, I think a lot of people would have written Bottas off as soon as you saw the conditions, me included. But I didn't fair play. He did. I didn't write him off. I believed. I predicted him believed. to win. Did I not? So uh, let's talk about my predictions very quickly. <laughs> no. Qualifying. <laughs> Got the top five right, didn't I? Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> thanks for thanks for coming. Uh, and uh, to be fair, at one point, if Perez had binned it. I was going to get the... Uh, actually, no, to be fair, Gasly and Leclerc were the wrong way around. Anyway, I got the top three right again. So, I was uh, very nervous at one point that you were going to get the race in the exact order as well. And I was like, oh, God, please. Yeah, until I wouldn't be. I would just be like, I can't make the podcast today, guys. Sorry. <laughs> at this point, I was going to stop doing predictions and start betting. But uh, there, there you go. So uh, let's ask some questions. At Well, actually, first, let's say hello to our Team WTF1 members who are watching live. They got an exclusive 15 minutes of us trying to set up a podcast, <laughs> uh, even though you'd think that we would know by now. But uh, with this new headset and, and stuff like that, it, it all went wrong. So uh, thank you and sorry to the Team WTF1 members, but it seemed like they enjoyed just seeing the behind the scenes of us being useless. Uh, at jazzwanth underscore IRL, do you think Valtteri is performing better since he has no team orders or pressure? I would argue he does have team orders and he will have many team orders to come in the future. Uh, but kind of alluding back to what I was saying. Yeah, I think that with the pressure lifting off his shoulders, he's able to just let it go, frozen style. And, you know, it's 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 nice to see. And it may well be his last victory, as you say, Katie, from Turkey, because unless Lewis has another penalty, is he going to really have an opportunity? Unless he gets, unless he outperforms Lewis in a, in a race, Max is second and Lewis is third, which doesn't tend to very much happen. It's going to be, uh, you know, game over for him in terms of any other opportunities unless things obviously go crazy which we've seen a lot of this year in the Formula One calendar but he certainly has been performing better he has I think like you say team orders isn't something that like they'll inevitably come up later down the line um, but maybe Bottas had some peace of mind knowing that Hamilton was starting 11th and he wouldn't have the Hamilton threat for a while um, but yeah I wouldn't say that he's performing better since he has no team orders. Maybe he's performing better because he now has a solid future. He knows he's going to be in Formula One next year. Might not be with the same team, but it, a seat is a seat for these drivers. Um, so, 
yeah I imagine there's probably lots of things that are slowly falling into place that's maybe making him uh perform a little bit better and of course before the his seat at alpha got confirmed you know he was rocking up to a race weekend and every given opportunity whether it was written media whether it was people doing you know like sky sports or channel four or whatever everyone was asking him do you know what your plans are for next year are you going to get that mercedes seat and maybe in the back of his mind bottas knew that it was probably quite unlikely that he was going to get that seat and that must just get exhausting after a while, just having people ask you the same question again and again and again, essentially saying like, you're not really performing well enough to keep this top seat. And to have that play on your mind the whole time, I'm sure will inevitably affect your results on the track as well. So he's probably just quite happy to have things sorted and knows that he doesn't have to keep answering these same questions again. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I don't think it's been a coincidence that as soon as he had his you say his contract sorted with alpha it's all out in the open people can stop asking him the same questions about are you going to stay at mercedes is it going to be russell um that he's picked up the pace and monza felt like a bit of a turning point where you know he really delivered that weekend and should have won so i guess you know you could argue that russia was almost like a bit of a redemption for that monza race that he arguably would have won if he was allowed to start on pole which he deserved to be it was obviously had his engine penalty there so yeah it's clear that some drivers handle pressure better than others and things said in the media and I think it's pretty clear that Bottas um the season slump once he got into it he struggled to get out of it but well it's it's ending up at a good time for him to be back on it for Mercedes because like I alluded to earlier it's this is what Mercedes need in not just the constructors but the drivers as well indeed lovely point Tommy thank you uh team WTF1 member Ardun Zero says after the amazing drive and holding up Lewis do you think Perez will have more confidence in the second Red Bull no I think that (laughs) I just it's it's similar to Daniel Ricciardo winning at Monza and then being knocked out of Q1 in qualifying. You know, Formula 1, to an extent, is a confident sport. But when you fundamentally can't get on with something in the car, albeit, okay, Danny Rick had a really amazing weekend at the Italian Grand Prix and it all kind of clicked together and he was on the pace with Norris. It doesn't mean, you know, winning a race means you go to another track and completely different characteristics. You have to still drive the same car that's been giving you problems all year. It's the same for for Sergio. I don't expect this to now be a miracle performance where next race, US Grand Prix, he is going to be on the pace with Max. It's just, it's the turning point for me is going to be when the new regs kick in. And, you know, Perez will have a chance to maybe give some feedback and some, you know, of his own ideas of how the car he'd like to, how he'd like the car to handle. Uh, but until then, <laughs> which they're definitely not going to. No, exactly. Yeah. You know, it'll be Shut one up, of those, Sergio. <laughs> yeah, straight in the bin sort of thing. Uh, yeah. But at least he'll have a chance, and and also he'll have more of a, I guess, more of a chance to learn what the car will be like next year, and he has more time to work with the engineers, get his head around maybe what he needs to change with the dri- his driving style. But you know, we've seen it consistently with Gasly, Albon, now Perez that that is a maxed car, and. Next year will be a good opportunity with a clean slate to to get his head around it because there's only so far the excuse goes, especially when the car is a com- you know it's a complete overhaul next year. It is a clean slate in a lot of ways. So until then, I, I don't see it changing for Perez, Ricardo, whoever. 
yeah <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to disagree i think you know i don't know this for a fact but i feel like we probably would have got this exact same question after baku when perez won the race and it's like is this the turning point for perez look the second seat isn't cursed he's fine he can drive the car this is their justified decision and then look at his performances since that race yeah he had a good good race at paul ricard example but you know spun off at silverstone and had a bit of bad luck in hungary but then it's been a bit a bit poor so yeah i don't think it's just because he's got a podium it's suddenly going to be you know absolutely amazing i think the key for for sergio is for him to sort his qualifying out because he was very good this weekend um in the race but again his qualifying let him down you know luckily he made a really good start and could get past those guys um to get where he needed to be but you know he doesn't want to be start he doesn't he shouldn't be starting seventh uh when max is uh second or third so um that's the big one but yeah i, I mean i'm sure he'll take a little bit of confidence because his obviously his battle with hamilton was was amazing and can't hurt his confidence but yeah it's still it's too it's too difficult to say that one race is going to completely change everything because it's clearly more than just a confidence issue in that that second red, red bull seat isn't it exactly yeah i think naturally having a good weekend you're going to take some positives and some confidence with you into the next race um you know the next one is in the usa at the end of october or 22nd i think the race is so towards the end of October. Um, but like you say, I don't think it's going to be a miraculous like Perez on the podium every single race from here on out because of he, he's got one podium here. I think Russia could have gone his way had the conditions not changed. He was looking quite promising there. But like you say, other than that, if you had to pinpoint other races where he really was delivering in that Red Bull second seat as he should be, there was Baku and there was Paul Ricard um, and that's kind of like the only standout races I can think of where he was really like delivering more than what Gasly or an Albon or someone like that had done. Um, like you say, qualifying is definitely his weakness and he needs to get that sorted ASAP because it's affecting the race. Um, and with such a competitive midfield as well, you know, like you say, if he starts down in seventh, like he did um, or qualified in seventh for the race this weekend, it's not just as easy as, oh, I can quickly take that McLaren and do this and do that because the McLarens of Ferraris are being so competitive now that you need to be starting ahead of them and keeping them back rather than trying to wiggle your way through them. So hopefully good things are on the way for Sergio. But um, yeah, I don't think it's going to be a case of like just a magic wand has now been waved and he's going to be on it every single race weekend till from now until Abu Dhabi. Indeed, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a tough slog, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how it, it all un unfolds. Team WTF1 member Connor asks, with Red Bull once again looking slower than Mercedes over the course of the weekend, is this Red Bull genuinely losing pace or have we just been to a few typical Mercedes tracks in a row? I mean, we went to Russia where they've never lost. So, I mean, that in itself should be a stat that uh, maybe supports that statement. Um, I mean, when you look back over the years, Red Bull have tended to be quite strong towards the end of the year, whether that's because Mercedes have just chilled out with development for that year or Red Bull just come strong. 
when we get to the, the Abu Dhabis of this world, Red Bull have been very good round there. So obviously we've got uh, a few different tracks at the end of the well, year. Mexico coming up, this, that's normally yeah, a pretty good Red Bull track. Very true, very true. So yeah, it's, I think it just twos and throws. You know, we go to the US Grand Prix where, I don't know, it's going to be difficult to, to tell. I think maybe Mercedes will be quicker there as well, but we don't know. It, that's the beauty of this season. But as you say, Mexico coming up, Abu Dhabi as well. I really hope it's going to go down to the wire. Everybody calm down with your panic buttons because we've had this about a hundred times this season where, you know, Mercedes have a poor race or a poor two race. And they've gone, wow, they've given up. That's it. Red Bull, they've won the title. It was over, wasn't it, after Double Austria, apparently? Exactly. It was over. You know, Mercedes have put every single egg out of the 2021 basket and put it into 2022. And then Lewis Hamilton all of a sudden was winning the championship at one point. And now it's back to Max. This is beautiful. This whole season is wonderful. We need to appreciate it. It's not over. There's going to be more toing and froing, and it has to go down to the last race of the year, surely. And now it's not. Well done, Matt. Yeah, thanks, Matt. We have got two races, of course, that we don't actually know how the cars are going to do. We haven't raced in Saudi. We haven't raced at Qatar. So that's... uh, a part of the calendar that I'm excited to go to in terms of the unknown. Um, but yeah, I think it has just been a case of that we've been at some tracks that have suited Mercedes. Like look at Turkey last year, for example, Lance Stroll managed to get pole in a Mercedes powered for Cindia or Racing Point, sorry. <laughs> um, Hamilton won that. Um, Mercedes were generally quite strong last year with the exception of Alpshire Bottas, but we'll just skim over that. Um, and I mean, you know, last year in Turkey, we had no Red Bulls on the podium, for example, and they looked to struggle at some points like in, in practice and stuff like that and throughout the, the race she says, and then they get a double podium. But generally, they'd not, you know, wiped everyone away competition-wise this weekend. Um, but I think, I, I really, really hope that it goes down to the wire in Abu Dhabi. We, we deserve this as F1 fans. I would, it would just be so wrong in the way that the season is going at the moment if it got decided a few races prior. But, I mean, yeah. there's six races to go now. Six, not many. Yeah. Eight points. (laughs) It's, yeah, I think Red Bull will definitely be, you know, it's not really their fault because you look back at races like Baku when they had the the puncture. uh, Which obviously points, Tommy. There's six. Is it six? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Six. Six with. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. No, uh, I know why I said eight. You, I know um, exactly which yeah, track you're about to talk about. The fact that it's not been any more than eight since Silverstone, which is absolutely insane. Um, I can't remember a, a season that's been this close for that long. I think Red Bull are going to look back and think, you know, it's not, it's clearly not their fault. Um, Although Silverstone, I guess you can argue either way, but things like Baku, Silverstone, Hungary, that's where Red Bull really lost the big points. And now it seems that Mercedes are definitely level with Red Bull. I find it quite difficult now to categorically say which car is faster. Um, At the start of the season, you said, well, this looks like Red Bull do actually genuinely have the quickest car. And then you'd go to some races and Mercedes would be a bit quicker, but then... I think now it is genuinely just they're really, really close. And whoever nails the weekend with setup and everything else is the car that that gets ahead. So if that carries on, I mean, if, if it carries on the way it is, it's literally going to be a case of 
a straight fight between Hamilton and Verstappen, Abu Dhabi, whoever wins, wins the championship, which I think would be the perfect end, really. No, like them going in completely even, it's a case of whoever wins the race, wins the title rather than blah, 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 has to finish fifth, blah, 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 has to finish seventh, whatever. That's the perfect scenario for me. And the way it's going, it could quite easily happen, which is incredibly exciting and incredibly nerve-wracking. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like my palms are already sweating at the thought of that. <laughs> it's just been, it's just felt so long since we've had had this and it's so tense and it makes every single race weekend get have that because I've just you know the last couple of years you've just gone well Hamilton's won the title just enjoy the races for what they are but you can enjoy the races for what they are and you got this incredible title fight as well it's just it's so good can we can we just can we just uh the great comment great point tommy can we just kind of add in that you're not jinxing and we need to talk about the jinx that doesn't happen because i feel like this clipping of like myself and you (laughs) saying great title fight abu dhabi blah 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 and i can see it that hamilton (laughs) wins by 50 points or something yeah probably can we just you know can we cancel the i don't know how you cancel jinxes but can you just hamilton will win the title in mexico there you go or just we don't we don't get a, a title finale there we go yeah. perfect i just wanted that you've got a lot of power recently i don't want to be messing yeah with that. i'm a bit scared of that uh, <laughs> we interrupt this wtf1 podcast a very quick chat about our sponsor for this episode manscaped attention listeners across the galaxy all the way from australia to houston do we have a pew problem if so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. If you're ready for an out-of-world experience, look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped that has just taken off in not only the USA, but Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. Inside this package, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system. So what are you waiting for? You can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code WTF1 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code WTF1 at manscaped.com. Trust me, your body will thank you. Right, let's get back to the podcast. Uh, Katie, your three-word recipe, please. Mine is Big Tire Gamble, and that is to do with the fact that with everybody starting on Inters, we knew that it would become quite the strategy race. But because of the bizarre conditions that we had in Turkey, where it was kind of murky, drizzly, it never really dried up the track. Um, It meant that tires, like if you were to pit for new intermediates, for example, Daniel Ricciardo, first guy to pit, the tires didn't give you the immediate performance advantage or just general performance advantage that everybody was thinking, which led to some really interesting strategy decisions. Of course, we briefly mentioned Esteban Ocon lasting the entire race on the same set of intermediates, which what a a thing to do, like amazing. Um, We then saw Vettel pit for slicks, which was like, I, I mean, the, Tommy tweeted about it and Tommy was like a few seconds ahead of me. And I was like, Have, is this like an old tweet this car? Like this can't be right now. Like Vettel's not going to be putting for slicks, but he did, which was a crazy decision. But the one that everyone is talking about is Lewis Hamilton um, because he declined the request from the team to come into the pits. He said, no, nope, these tires feel fine. But then 
the decision was made that he should pit and he pitted later and then that kind of ruined his race a little bit because he ended up dropping back further than if he had pitted when he was asked to um but I feel like Hamilton's getting a lot of unfair comments obviously on the radio it was broadcast his message between himself and the, the and the team in the pit wall and naturally if Hamilton feels like he can go for a longer distance on those tires then he's going to want to stay out but then I also appreciate that the team have got more data and if they think that he's running a real risk of staying out and you know they can see data that Hamilton can't behind the wheel of his car then I see why they want to bring him in um but in the end it was probably the wrong decision from Hamilton to stay out but then you just look at Russia and he said that the team were telling him to pit and he said no and in the end he pitted and listened to the team and won the race so it's swings and roundabouts but yeah lots of tire talk after Turkey well there's a lot of tire talk and also this is the carbon copy of what happened last year at Turkey like (laughs) No, I don't see that many people actually talking about the fact that we were talking about slint intermediates or whatever <laughs> you want to call them from Turkey last year. And I, I did find it a bit mystifying to see Vettel in particular go on dries when it was quite clearly incredibly humid, as the commentators kept mentioning. And, you know, just generally wasn't ready for, for dries. And, you know, we saw this, this whole, you know, as you say, like strange strategy thing. But the teams had done this last year. And for me, with Lewis's strategy in particular, it, didn't make sense to for the you know the team to go okay right stay out and then we'll give ourselves a few more laps to think about it whatever Lewis at that point fit lap 51 and 58 has kind of like locked himself into that strategy in my opinion and I know Ocon's tires were absolutely shot by the end of it even had an O on his front right tire which looked like he'd kind of signed it himself (laughs) but the thing was I think Lewis kind of said it in a comment that if Esteban Ocon had done it, I definitely could have done it, which I don't think he meant to mean it in, in the sense Savage. of he, he is a terrible driver and I'm not, but Lewis is incredibly good at keeping his tyres in good nick. And I think for a lot of that race, he thought he was going to go the entire race. As much as he was attacking, I think I saw some pictures of his tyres and they weren't in as bad a condition as, as Ocon's were. And I know there was you know talk of you know, Ocon's lost five like 50 seconds in the last 14 laps or whatever but but that's Ocon in a Alpine Lewis in a Mercedes seven-time champ he's done this sort of stuff before I feel like he would have done a much better job no offense to Esteban but I feel like he would have done a much better job and his sort of calls and thoughts of how the tires are are usually right you know that's the reason why he is a seven-time world champ so for me I know it was you know damage limitation they'd rather get fifth than DNF with a tire blowout, but I never heard that conversation. I may have missed it, but I never heard that conversation of Mercedes going, your tires are in critical condition. You have to come in or they could blow. So I don't know. For me, it felt like, yes, a safe decision, but maybe the wrong one. I personally think it was the right one for the championship. I think if it had been 2020, and Hamilton's, you know, already wrapped up the title, then totally understand. Um, I guess for me, and this is this will be Mercedes thinking that yes, I I personally believe Hamilton probably could have stayed out and done a lot better on his tires than knock on because it's Lewis Hamilton. We saw it, like you say, literally the year before in Turkey, he did that. Um, but for Mercedes, 
they're they're the ones essentially i guess thinking with their heads not their heart a bit more and hamilton as a racing driver is always going to want to stay out and and it seems completely illogical of him thinking well i can stay in third here it's really hard to overtake like you say he's already gone that far you almost need to commit or you should have come in earlier um but I guess what Merck were thinking, like you kind of alluded to, is 15 points. Do you take 10 or risk getting zero? And if he takes 10, the championship is still within six points. And at this stage of the season, when there's only six races to go, you're in a situation where it's all about staying in the hunt rather than taking that risk. If it's, if it's the final race of the season and we're talking like Brazil 2008, then yeah, absolutely. Hamilton's going to be thinking of the points and thinking he needs every single point, or if it's really close um, to the end of the season, then that's the kind of bit where you do that. But with six races, I think this is just simply Mercedes going, look, Lewis, we've got a very good car here. There's six races to go. Just stay with the Stappen as much as you can in this title fight and we win it in Abu Dhabi and win the race kind of that, that kind of sensible logic from Mercedes. So I I totally understand why Mercedes did it. I'm quite surprised actually that Hamilton didn't pit um, like Katie said on, I think it was lap 42. Um, So it was a long time that he actually essentially ignored it. And then it came too clearly became too late and it didn't really work out. So I think he would have been better off. It's all hindsight, but better off just listening to his team in the first place, like he did in Russia, which won in the race. Yeah, I think that's a, a valid point. Um, I mean, as well, Ocon, he might not be known as an absolute time master, but in comparison to Lewis's race, for example, I'd imagine Esteban was able to maybe take care of those tyres a little bit more, whereas Lewis is coming from 11th. You know, we saw the battle with Yuki, we saw the battle with Perez. So I'm assuming naturally that would cause some uh, stress to the tyres in, in those little battles there. So maybe Lewis would have been able to manage the tyres. You know, if he says he, he could, he probably could have. But um, this is a, a team sport as much as it's a driver in their car on the track. You know, decisions do have to be made behind the scenes sometimes um, and respected by the drivers. That sounded very like, very PR-friendly, that was. Do you work for Mercedes now? I'm practising for to be Lewis Hamilton's <laughs> PR, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting one because you can see it from both sides. You can see it from, okay, it was a safe decision, stay within touching distance of Max, but if he loses the championship by four points or something, you know, you look back at these kind of moments and go, oh, was it worth the risk? And, you know, it safe decision for me i'm trusting lewis hamilton's gut instinct in the car with seven laps to go that he's done many overalls of mercedes in the past and it's worked of course you know listening to russia when there was literally a storm coming was a good decision from him but i feel maybe in these kind of situations uh lewis is maybe in a better position but hey uh, i'm sure a lot of people disagree with me and are writing their comments right now next question uh at Paul underscore is underscore supreme. All right, Paul. Uh, do you guys think it's fair for is Lewis to be supreme. so dismissive towards the team on the radio after the pit stop when on the timing it showed that Shah was losing time to Bottas and it was the team's call that won him the last race when he wanted to stay out in Russia? 
I, I think it's two very different situations, in my opinion. You know, this was Lewis judging the tyres. The last one was the team saying a storm is coming. I feel like the two very different ones on a fi- ones on field. One is on literal facts of George Russell mean there uh, of the of the <laughs> of the rain coming. So for me, I think it was very fair for Lewis to be dismissive and also a little bit angry. He's in the heat of the moment. He's come out afterwards and said, which I don't think he even needed to, that you know he didn't mean to be you know horrible or whatever to the team. Like it's just in the moment, winning you lose together, whatever you know that very PR friendly stuff, but. You know, Lewis, so many people, like Kimmy literally roasted his team about a drinks <laughs> bottle when he was in the garage. Well, actually, no, I think he was driving around, but he also roasted them when he was back in the garage. And you know, everyone laughs at that. But Lewis, who was angry about losing a few points, and I think quite rightly being angry at maybe a decision he thought was was wrong. And all of a sudden, Lewis has to explain that. I, I don't understand that. It's very double standards, in my opinion. And I think people getting annoyed at him mm. being angry is 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 ridiculous. I think it's very much double standards. I mean, li- literally look at Russia. We had Landai Norris telling his uh, engineer to shut up and everyone was like, oh, he's just under pressure and all this kind of stuff. But if it was Lewis Hamilton doing that, then that naturally draws criticisms. People call him a crybaby. You know, the F1 TV direction know what they're doing when they play these clips of Lewis. Obviously, he's stressed and wants to overrule a decision, but... The whole reason we all get into watching live sport and, you know, especially Formula One is because of the emotion that comes with that. You know, I don't know anybody who will sit and watch a Formula One race, like just on their little sofa going, yes, well done. That was a really good move or whatever. Everyone's up from their sofas cheering, you know, shouting, getting upset when things maybe for your favorite driver or whatever don't go their way. Like sport and emotion. goes hand in hand and I think it was Sebastian Vettel that said a few years ago in a press conference like imagine if you plugged a radio like a microphone to football players or you know rugby players or whoever like I watch the tennis sometimes and people like Andy Murray or Novak Djokovic they get so angry because they're so passionate about what they're doing Djokovic Um, takes rackets every 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 match literally every match so I think it's just part of being a sports person is that you're so invested in what you're doing, you know, the hours that they've put in to be in that position at that moment in time. Naturally, I think you're going to get a bit pissy if things aren't going your way. <laughs> That's the technical, uh, technical term, technical though. Technical yeah. Term. Yeah, you yeah. make a really good point, Katie, uh, about that. And also the fact is, it's the funniest thing, is that people will get triggered by what Hamilton is saying on the team radio, show emotion and put it on Twitter. And yet they're having a go at Hamilton for showing emotion about a particular live sporting event where he's in a very tough championship fight. Like people are getting they're, emotional they're not, they're not, over his emotion. They're not driving at 200 miles <laughs> no, exactly. an hour while they're on sat Twitter. On their couch. Well, they shouldn't be anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, complete, completely agree. Um, every time someone has a go at someone for a radio outburst, for me, it always, like you said, Katie, it always comes back to that brilliant piece of... Uh, that brilliant comment from Sebastian Vettel and th- there was another bit that he said in, the, in that because I was just listening to it not long before for this podcast and uh, he said he said to the journalist that asked him the question because it was when he uh, kind of called Verstappen something for for a move while they were racing a d-head uh, a yeah. d-head yeah and um, he said to the the journalist he said you know if I punch you in the face right now you're not going to be like oh that wasn't very nice <laughs> can't believe you've done this it's not going to be you know it's not going to be that so 
it's adrenaline but um, you'll have road rage as well speaking for myself but you know when you're driving <laughs> around in your car it's yeah, we've, it all, we've all played mario kart together we all know yeah well, that's true <laughs> that's yeah something else entirely <laughs> there you go imagine imagine playing mario kart but it being your literal livelihood and everything is on that race you know your whole careers and everything like that that adrenaline is through the roof of course they're going to be annoyed when they feel like they've lost a couple of places or lost a race i think or we should do that mario kart us three. whoever loses loses <laughs> team job. radio what happens loses their job <laughs> yeah. oh yeah you want, the, you want the pure emotions but so. you're really good at mario kart exactly. that's not fair i always come last <laughs> yeah i wasn't gonna be losing my job in that situation anyway um that pretty much I guess covers all that unless you guys have any other more points it's uh, okay. I, I guess one one thing because I don't think we're going to go into it later but I do I did want, just want to mention that because we kind of mentioned it a little bit but Ocon not doing a pit stop for the whole race <laughs> I cannot believe it's been 24 years since that's been done is it wow yeah uh, Ocon was one year one year old when it happened I guess um, technically it's not stopping for new tires because we've had red flags where people change tires. Exactly. And people are like, oh, technically yeah. no, the Belgian Grand Prix tires. was a no yeah. stop. Um, but oh, this is the first time, this first time ever that it's essentially been a full race distance. Cause obviously you, you had, there was a very strange era of Formula One where you didn't, weren't allowed to change your tires uh, for a whole race, but they still had refueling. Um, so this is, Gen, like yeah the first time since 1997 which is proper mind-blowing i can't believe it's not been yeah. done be before one now. And a half. <laughs> because back in 97 they were they had a lot smaller fuel tanks and they weren't made to go the full race so now now they have the fuel tanks that technically could go the full distance it's almost quite surprising that it's never happened before but i guess well you saw the state of his tires um so that's probably why yeah, literally before. went, oh, even the tyre was surprised uh, of uh, how much it had worn. Uh, my three-word race review now is uh, dry out, please. Because the track in that state was was just rubbish, really, uh, because we needed a change of... we need Well, we needed it either to rain ridiculously hard so that the drivers actually came in for a pit stop because those worn intermediates would have acted like dries and therefore they would have had to pit, would have you know, cause a bit of chaos, change of strategy, or dry out, and then they would have gone on to, you know, mediums. Apparently, if you're Sebastian Vettel, even though that was a, that was a strange choice in itself, um, yeah. So then it would have had that element of strategy, but instead it was just another set of inters. And that was it. Just carry on. Oh, graining, graining phase. Oh my god. Uh, so yeah, it, it was weird to be wishing for it to dry out as a Formula One fan. I think we all expected, especially with Sebastian Vettel. Four-time champ coming over the team radio and saying, "Hundred percent, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be." I think the team asked, "Is it gonna be dry at any point?" He said, "Yes." I'm like, "Okay, we've got something coming. Maybe in the last five, ten laps, some gambles." But no, those intermediates became soft, dry tires, and they were just chilling. Which I, I think yeah. that is what killed killed the race. You know, we mentioned mm. about about the hype. I think what what ruined it was normally with those races. There was actually quite a bit of action, but you were always just there waiting for that moment where, 
oh, it's coming. They're going to be on the drive soon. It's going to be super exciting. It's all going to be a gamble of who's going to go on. And actually that never came. So I think that made it, is what made it worse. For wet races, when we want a wet race, you want, the whole point is you actually want it changeable. And this, this actually, this sounds really defeatist, but it was actually the worst possible wet race it could be because... Spa has entered the chat. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Okay, maybe not the worst race it could be, but for, for actual drivable conditions that you didn't get the gamble and then normally in the wet, like you say, you have that moment where it changes and someone gets to do the tie gamble. But actually what it meant was everyone was just so cautious because it was all about literally from the first lap, once everyone got round, it was, okay, I know what happened last year. I've got to save these inters as long as possible. And just, you know, Max Verstappen is a perfect example. Didn't even, you know, Max Verstappen, who, yes, I guess he's in championship mode, but just he was just in cruise control the whole the whole race didn't push whatever and and then you also had the annoying situation where overtaking actually became more difficult because once there was a dry line you couldn't go off it so to dive up the inside and actually make a pass was so difficult because you had that dry line and you're going on to the wet line so you you absolutely need to be sure you're going to make that move stick because you know towards the end Gasly and Norris were really closing in on Hamilton and looked much faster, but there was just absolutely no way they were ever going to pass because the track conditions were poor. So, yeah, it was unfortunate. It was, like you say, apart from Spa, the worst kind of wet race you could have had. You just really needed that dry gamble with maybe 10 laps to go where, you know, say say Vettel had gone on to the mediums and then okay it's doing the same time oh now it's five seconds a lap quicker now it's 10 seconds a lap quicker then everyone has to come in mm. that that's what you wanted but unfortunately it never came we needed some sun to dry the track out we did it definitely got to a point normally when i'm watching a race i'm either standing up like literally two foot in front of the telly or i'm sat on the edge of the sofa that if Are you're you? watching this you're one you of those see, you've actually stand I'm up one and of, watch formula one like i can't watch a start from the sofa i have to stand oh, wow. and be like oh my god yeah i get really into it which is why i'm quite glad we don't do watch alongs for the race because i can just <laughs> be like bouncing all over the place but um How you're, do it. you're doing the next you're you doing do. the next sprint then because i want to see that yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how do you how do you watch a Formula One race, Tommy? I'm I'm right on the edge of my seat at the start, not yeah. standing up, but re- like lean <laughs> yeah. forward. You know, like when you're losing at FIFA. And I was literally forward. about to say <laughs> that example. That's incredible. That like, right now, then okay, here we yeah. go. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. I sit forward for the race, and then I'm and then I'm chill. But you're on the edge yeah. of your seat throughout the entire race. Kate. Pretty much, uh, unless like I have to put my like laptop on my app to type and stuff but there was a point in the race yesterday where I think it was maybe after Ricardo had pitted or something and I actually like lay down on my sofa and I was you like laid oh, no, down is... when Ricardo pitted I thought that no was like the... after was after he pitted question. yeah though no, after he pitted and like there was a few laps of just nothing really happening and yeah. then I think it was it must have been Perez and Hamilton battling on track sales back up again but yeah there was a point where I was like lying down I was like I haven't done this for a race in absolutely ages normally um yeah right should, on have, a, edge of my should seat. have a stepometer uh for you just during the race just to see how many paces <laughs> you do 
Uh, I'll probably do more in the space of a race than I do all week, <laughs> to be honest. Just pacing right. around. Back but... to your point, anyway. Sorry, Katie. That's all right. I think my point was just that, yeah, it got a little bit. Um, I never like using the words boring or dull because that's not really true of it. But in comparison to how we felt other races this year, there were moments where it was not quite as eventful as we have seen. And because the inters were just seemed to be the tire of choice because the track was not drying. We didn't really get to see any like crazy strategy changes apart from Vettel's little gamble. Um, and it, it made me quite like appreciative of the fact that obviously there's a rule that you need to use two compounds um, of tire in a race, unless it is wet, then you can run the intermediate the whole time or the full wet or whatever. Yeah, it made me quite appreciate that rule that we do have different strategies in a race and that does make it interesting i don't know maybe i'm just no i saw i actually saw some people i I saw some people say the opposite and i completely disagreed with them and agree with you that some people were like oh ocon like ocon being able to do that shows why there shouldn't be that rule because it would be crazy at the end and i'm just thinking no because everyone will start on hards and finish the race and it'd be really boring and you won't even have the enjoyment of a pit stop to change it up yeah it'll be the tire so, conservation grand prix won't it really exactly <laughs> less yeah you don't you want less conservation in formula one less Not conservation more. more burning through tires yeah God, Tommy, <laughs> think of all the pirelli tires that you were saying that to i hope they're not watching right team wtf1 <laughs> member lucy was this the most meh wet race for a while obviously excluding spa which was not really a race i think we've kind of covered that and yes Yes, that is the answer, and we've kind of explained why as well. Mehmihol Kanzel one 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 one. Yeah, that was four. Why did the track not dry up even with no rain? I think we can just say it's humidity. And it was really cold, wasn't it as well? Yeah, yeah. cold. No sun. Humid. Really cold. They were all in their coats. Yeah, it was and stuff fifteen the degrees, mate. It was was 15. it? Yeah. So they had a whole just... conversation where they like, were all moaning about being cold, though. Yeah, yeah, I think someone moaned about cold, and then Crofty was like, "Oh, what do you talk about, mate? It's fifteen degrees. That's that's a good summer's day for." In his probably nice warm uh, commentator room. Although to be fair, yeah. that was one of about fifteen thousand jokes that that uh, Crofty and Button <laughs> made throughout the broadcast. I, I I think they're both great individually, but together mm. as a team, they were they were lackluster. Uh, they just didn't work, did they? It was it was very strange. Um, anyone else gonna? Yeah, it's, yeah it is it's fine. Anyway, like to I, I, if you want me to come across like the negative person here, I'm, you, know, I, you, you both you. Just <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not saying anything. No, I, I'm not trying to be negative, but I feel like that combination just didn't work. Yeah, yeah, fair. yeah I think it's fair. fair. Okay, perfect. Thanks so much for your insight. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> why did the track not dry up with even no rain? Yeah, cold-ish and rain and humid. Itty. <laughs> weather. Yeah. Any any other weather comments? Was that pretty much? Yeah, no, pretty good. Right, uh, Josefo <laughs> with a zero. Do you guys agree with Gasly's penalty? Right, a bit more sustenance to this one. We haven't actually spoken about it. So we had Perez on the inside, Gasly in the middle, and Alonso on the outside going into turn one, lap one. And do I agree with Gasly's penalty? No, I feel like it was harsh. You know, I feel like the stewards have been lenient with some racing incidents uh, this year. This was probably one where they needed to be lenient because there wasn't really many places for Pierre to go you know you kind of got to take into account the track conditions being quite slippery the start of a race everyone's on inters and Perez has just stuck a nose up the inside which made things a lot more difficult and Gasly of course taking 
some avoiding action to you know go a bit wider to give Perez some room. Maybe Gasly could have done a bit more because I think that he gave maybe too much room. I, they, he could have squeezed a bit more perhaps, but you know it's the start of a race and he's he's probably assuming that Perez is going to run a little bit wide on the inside. So yeah, I felt like it was harsh and not really necessary. There was no intent there. There wasn't any sort of much lack of judgment in my opinion. So no, I don't think he deserved the penalty for that. Well, you'll be surprised to know that I actually don't also agree with the penalty. So <laughs> I was going to say, I was ready to <laughs> say, yeah. hello. No, uh, I think that was pretty harsh. Um, I know that, well, the stewards have said that they determined that Gasly was wholly at fault for the collision as he did not leave enough space for Alonso, which I would partly agree with that, you know, looking from the onboards and stuff that there wasn't much room left for Alonso three wide going into that corner. But I, I'm very much of the opinion that, yeah, he was, I know that the stewards like said that he wasn't sandwiched, but I think that's probably the best way to describe it. And if he was going to take someone out, it was either going to be Prez or Alonso. Who's better to take out? Probably Alonso because, well, he had some runoff in turn one, but also Prez is part of the sister team. And you probably are not going to be in Rebels good books if you wipe out Prez in the first corner. <laughs> so um, I think the the penalty was harsh. I think it was just like a first lap collision, um, the five second penalty and two penalty points. Yeah, I I don't think is is the right decision. But the stewards are now I think taking a bit more of a stronger approach on first lap incidents. I think was it you, Tommy, that you tweeted about a comparison to Hungary, for example, with Bottas and Stroll, which I'll let you mention in a sec. But yeah, I think to give the same kind of penalty for someone like Bottas, who very evidently made a mistake on that first lap of Hungary compared to Gasly, who was just kind of put in the wrong place at the wrong time, um, seems a bit unfair, but it's the whole consistency agreement or argument even. Agreement. <laughs> One and... Consistency <laughs> agreement. <laughs> some proper group. But yeah, a yeah. consistency argument um, that's just been bubbling away all year with the FIA and the stewarding. So yeah. I, I'd go as far as saying I think it's the worst penalty decision we probably had in about two or three years. <clears throat> um, yeah, it's. Uh, I just think it was so obviously not a penalty. Even Alonso himself agreed it was a racing incident after the race. Obviously, we know <laughs> shock driver uh, in the heat of the moment says something incorrect and has a go. You know, he called Gasly stupid, but when things calm down and he can watch it on a screen, he said, you know, it's absolutely, it was a racing incident. They're all going into the corner at turn one and all three drivers had a right to be where they were, but unfortunately, and to penalize Gasly of all people in that situation, I guess, just because of what happened. And I've seen a few people say this and I, I'm almost inclined to agree with them now that I think because Alonso then punted Mick Schumacher and they were being investigated at the same time, I think mm. the FIA was scared not to give Gasly a penalty, even though his wasn't and Alonso's was, because it was Alonso's was clear that it was, you know, a mistake from Alonso. Um, that if they didn't give if they gave Alonso a penalty and didn't give Gasly one, 
a certain Fernando Alonso who's been very vocal about it's one rule for some drivers, one rule for others would have kind of kicked off about that. But it wasn't a penalty, and Alonso himself said it wasn't a penalty, and I think it's absolute joke that he got a penalty, to be honest. And because he had a five-second penalty as well, you know, you could even say that he would have been ahead of Hamilton. Yeah. And Hamilton got an extra couple of points, and that could decide the World Championship. So... If you if you're really looking really deep British into it, fire. yeah. So it's a bit of a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolute joke. And the fact that he got two penalty points, which again, I, like Katie said, it was Bottas got two penalty points for wiping out half the field for a much bigger <laughs> mistake in Hungary, and they've gone, yeah, you deserve the same penalty points for that. I know the penalty was less severe because it's five seconds and not the grid drop, but silly it, it actually really winds me up to be honest it's very I'm annoying. loving this Tommy <laughs> yeah I know it's now Tommy's leading with these FIA runs I love it uh yeah That's I awesome. think it's such a ridiculous penalty and I think they were I think they did take um consequences into account and basically saw what happened with Alonso and Schumacher and said oh we've got to give the same penalty because otherwise it's inconsistent but actually that made it not consistent because one was a lot harsher than the other Anyway, you go off on one. I love it. I absolutely <laughs> yeah. do. You love a headline as well. Like when Tommy gets angry about something, it's like Williams have made the worst livery ever made in, in the world. <laughs> this is the worst penalty decision in three years. It's, it's brilliant. Got to do the keep thumbnail, it up. right? Yeah, I do love it. Um, but yeah, I uh, yeah, it's just it's ridiculous and. I, it, it, it's kind of a concerning time if that genuinely is true about the stewards feeling scared that Alonso will say something again if they don't <laughs> penalise Gasly. I don't personally believe that, but if that is the case, then we have some terrible stewarding uh, going on at the moment. Um, finally, before we dive into ABCDEF1, uh, Carlos Sainz, driver of the day? Yeah. Decent, decent drive. I mean, we'll dive into, I guess, his drive a bit more when we rate him, but he was given driver of the day. He was shown on the television feeds, which is uh, a, a miracle in itself. And <laughs> I think that his team radio went, well, t- not team radio, but when he was speaking to Rosanna Tennant, uh, the drive of the day radio thing, uh, the fact that he was so surprised to win drive of the day, and I think he thinks it's the, the first time he's ever won drive of the day. Uh, I guess it was maybe because he was surprised he was shown on television. So, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a decent drive from Carlos, and he deserved DOTD. He did. He was really good. Uh, like I said, we'll go into it in ABCDF1, but he actually had a slow pit stop as well, which did, cost exactly. him massively yeah. mm-hmm. um, because he ended up behind Ocon and he had much more pace than Ocon. But as we kind of mentioned earlier, it's so hard to overtake at the end of the race because of the dry dry line and going onto the wet line. Um, and if he hadn't have had that penalty, he genuinely could have been on the back of the Norris-Gasly train, which yep. to think... Him, if he'd been on the back of, um, you know, he's getting driver of the day for, for, for me anyway, and a really good grade spoilers, but if he'd been on the, if he'd been on the back of Hamilton at the end of the race, like he deserved to be without that dodgy pit stop, that's incredible for him, for Hamilton starting 11th and Carlos Sainz starting dead last, you know, you saw Ricardo not coming through the field really at all. And how science managed to just get through the field. Um, yeah, awesome drive. And yeah, he did sound very surprised. He was like, oh, people have actually noticed me now. 
It's it's great. I'm I'm really pleased to see Carlos um, sort of. I don't know what the right word is because he's always been a driver that I've uh, had a lot of time and respect for in Formula One. Um, however, this year he seems to have taken that step up a bit like Lando's done this year. He's kind of done the same thing, but at a different team. Um, and of course, now he is ahead of Charles Leclerc in the driver standings. Guaranteed, it is by half a point, <laughs> so it's not exactly a massive margin. Um, but I still think that that's something that uh, is extremely impressive and especially like like he wasn't before going into turkey he was was he not oh maybe yeah, i it, thought that he so it closed up a little bit oh okay yeah that's true <laughs> I was like, but we'll many, just count um, this bit out <laughs> <laughs> how many points do you get for driver of the day these days <laughs> yeah, yeah they um <laughs> I, th- I think it's incredible that science has actually you know the ferrari have had both drivers had a bit of bad luck here and there, but for science to be level or just ahead of Leclerc, I think is incredibly Incredible, impressive, yeah. especially because the talk going into the season was obviously where Ferrari is, is it the curse of the second Ferrari alongside Leclerc was Vettel being sabotaged. We'll know if Carlos is absolutely terrible. And because, oh. because people thought, you know, we could have a, the Red Bull situation and, you know, if science gets into that car, and is finishing every race 14th or 15th, you go, okay, yes, Leclerc's the golden boy and there's something going on here like like Red Bull. But that's not happened. So fair play science. I think he's been one of the drivers of the season so far. There we go. Another headline. Lovely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's dive into ABCDEF1. Play the jingle if you want to. Now it's time for ABCDEF1. Lovely. Remember, you can vote too for the ABCDEF1 polls. Visit WTF1.com after the race and you can vote too. Thank you. Right. Um, let's start with Lewis Hamilton. B. B, yeah. Yeah, I've gone for a B. Wow, lovely. In unison. And the fans <laughs> gave him a B as well. Valtteri Bottas, A star. Easy. A star, yeah. Wow, look at that guy. A star from the fans as well. Max Verstappen, A. 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 Wow. <laughs> and an A from the fans as well. Sergio Perez, A. 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 Oh my God, wow. what is going on? And the fans gave him an A as well. Lando Norris, B. 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 <laughs> and the fans gave him a What's B as happening? well. Wow. Five in a row. Here we go. Daniel Ricciardo. Okay, this is where we might get into a D. D. D? <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to yell that. <laughs> That's fine. My ears just exploded. And sorry to everybody as well. Uh, but the fans gave him a D as well. Oh, my God. What is going on? Charles Leclerc. A. 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 <laughs> and the fans gave him an A as well. Oh, my God. Can we get a whole... Someone in the someone in the chat, Formula Wonderland. This is going faster than Race Rundown. This is insane. Yeah, I've got Race Rundown twenty out of twenty. Can we get ABCDF one twenty out of twenty? This would be insane. Carlos signs A star. A star. I thought I was. I thought I was going to be controversial and say A star. Wow. Wow. Oh my god! And an A star from the fans as well. Jeez. Sebastian Vettel. D. D. Fudge. 
Uh, I went E. Oh, E. Yeah. Uh, it was a pretty poor. He didn't did make he cost it some through... points? Oh, he didn't. Actually. I don't think he was running no, no, in, the points, he in the points. But yeah, he finished 18th. Sorry, by the way, for ending the vibe we had yeah, going can on. Can we there. just go back and pretend you said D? Yeah, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, making the call, wrong call to make, and end up 18th and didn't make it through to Q3. So overall, a bit of a rubbish weekend. I think that's a very savage E, personally. I'm going to stick with D. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's harsh, but change your I've... Dream, Katie. Come on, make it. Make, mm. make it come on. No. Give him the D. <laughs> <laughs> you you knew what you D, were Tommy? saying as you said that out loud. <laughs> yeah. Are you are you sticking with D, Tommy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, fair. All right. Cool. Well done, Katie. And the fans gave him a D as well. So Katie's the only one going against the the trend. Why uh, do you like, hate Sebastian Bell? How no, dare you? He's such no. a lovely person, Katie. How could uh, you? How could you? Uh, anyway. Lance Stroll, I'm going to go with B. <laughs> I've gone for B as well. I've gone for a B as well. And the fans gave him a C. Oh, shut. He got two points. Haters. Haters. Yeah. Lance Stroll haters. Haters. <laughs> uh, yeah. Gasly. I'm going to go with an A. A. What in the smirk is that, Tommy? Mm, yeah, I think it's <laughs> you know, an, a. an A. He was absolutely stunning. And then got a savage penalty. Yeah, it's pe- yeah. I mean... What were you going to give him? A B? I a think... B six. Uh, After a penalty season. that he After shouldn't have got. <laughs> yeah, yeah, A. Okay, thank you. Jeez, I know you need a little bit of pushing there. Uh, and the fans gave <laughs> Gasly an A as well. Uh, Yuki Sonoda. It looked to be going... So yeah, well, and he was holding Hamilton up that long. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the C. It was a bit more potential from Yuki than. Others. Yeah, I've gone for. I think he, he scrapes 14, a C, and I think he loses a grade because he spun. But I think the reason he's getting a C is because he he definitely uh, is going to be in Helmut Marco's good books for holding Hamilton up that long. <laughs> And, and to be fair, if he hadn't have spun, he probably would have scored a point, I think. Yeah, it's a shame. He yeah, looked that was a shame. But he had a better quality stuff. He definitely could have done with a dry race and just... Yeah, just a simple race. Yeah. Difficult to overtake, get some points. Feels like a long time since he got points. I love how we've flown through all these grades. And as soon as we speak about Sonoda, Tommy brings out his Bible. <laughs> well, let me tell you about Yuki well, Sonoda's actually. race. Uh, in lap 23, he had a great apex. Uh, what's, uh, what's your grade? Uh, yeah, I've also gone for a C for Sonoda. Finishing 14th uh, yeah. is not not ideal. Fans gave him a B. Wow, Yuki Sonoda fanboys and girls. Shocking. Right, uh, Fernando Alonso. Well, he had a great qualifying. Got yeeted, then yeeted Mick Schumacher. Ended up finishing P16. That is a C. 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 Yeah. I'm C. gutted. I know. He's absolutely smashed Mick Schumacher. I'm giving him a D. Because I feel like as much as as much as he has stop laughing, Katie. You, uh, I'm sorry. I'm I, I, you're just tile. You know, <laughs> bad, bad, bad brain. Um yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with a D, I think, because he took Mick Schumacher out. I feel angry. I'm Anyone still saying change to a D. No. Anyone change to a D? Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> stick with a C. Oh, you're gonna change to a D, finish P sixteen. Smashed Mick Schumacher. Anyone? Anyone? No, no. no. Okay, fine. The fans gave him a C as well. <laughs> uh, Esteban Ocon obviously ran the entire race on the intermediates. That O looks like he had a severe lockup at some point. That that can't be just natural wear. That was a very mm. odd O. Uh, got one point. 
Okay. I want to give him an A star for just managing those ties, but realistically, <laughs> I think it's more of a B. Yeah. I, I don't, is it even a B? Because yeah, um, Ocon okay would have probably, if Ocon didn't get punted at the start, which I know said it wasn't, you know, he, he did get punted at the start. Don't think it was his fault. And Ocon got punted at the start. Please talk me through this incident. No, sorry. Did I say Ocon? I meant yeah. a lot. Uh, sorry. I, I meant I Alonso. Say, sorry. <laughs> Alonso got punted at the start and probably would have finished about fifth or sixth. And then you've got to think that it's a C. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to go see how much I want to give him an A just because of that record. <laughs> but I'm staying with B because I don't think he deserves the same grade as Alonso. That's why I gave him a D. Anyway, <laughs> Estevan Ocon gets a C from us and a B from the fans because everyone was very impressed, clearly, by that uh, tyre miracle. And then we've got the two Alfa Romeos. <laughs> Let's just give them a pair of seeds. They finished 11th, Antonio Giovinazzi and Kimi Raikkonen 12th. No? Okay, you want to give something better. Worse. I want to give... No, I'm not going to use that phrase. Um, Uh, Giovinazzi deserves... That's even worse. A a D for Giovinazzi. Nice, good save. Um, I know know I've seen that face a lot online. I I saw... I noticed uh, a lot of people go, how... Because I noticed, uh, I saw the race do drive ratings, mm. and was like, "How dare you give Giovinazzi a bad grade?" He ignored team orders mm-hmm. twice in the race when Kimi was faster, and it cost them a point. And when you're that far down the grid, and you're looking for a drive next year, and you're <laughs> ignoring your team twice to not get okay, team points, well, I think that's yeah. appalling. Let me let me provide you with some speculative insight he's clearly not racing for yeah, next year. tell me you haven't I, got an f1 seat without well, telling me you haven't got an f1 yeah seat. but in terms of his personal career like why would you want to go out oh, this, like i mean there's that? no chance i'm sorry there's no chance he's coming back to formula one he said that he hasn't got any plans next year so he probably thinks oh well i got no plans just, no plans guys screw it. you're not coming through <laughs> <laughs> just imagine him like yeah, that is, that playing is bad, the f1 actually. game like with a pizza box next to him, like, oh, we'll get him on the box. Thor and Endgame, if you've seen that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, I've just, I watched Endgame the other day. For the third I saw from IBR. You're welcome. I don't know. What I was going to say, <laughs> like, picture Jim Natsi with his hair long, but it's even longer, like, even longer. Massive. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. I, okay. I've All right. With that, with that insight, which I didn't know, uh, I'm going to change my grade to a D. Yeah. I think that's fair. Okie dokie. And the fans gave him a C. Kimi Raikkonen, I'm going to give a C. Yep. Yes. And the fans gave him a C. George Russell. I obviously messed up in qualifying, could have got through to Q3, then had a very rubbish race. Really. He was so anonymous all weekend. Yeah. So anonymous. Wow. Well, um, anonymous qualifying. Well, was, qualifying, was he made a mistake, yeah, yeah, so we did know. <laughs> um, yeah. He was, he was there. He was there. He did exist. C. Very average from yeah, George. Yeah, in a race where you thought, as soon as you saw it raining, you're like, hello, George mm-hmm. Russell, okay, top five. Okay, you've not turned up the last three grades for ABC F1. I don't know. Okay. I don't know who's got me. I think you can guess what Mazda pins will be. Uh, okay, I can probably fill that one out. <laughs> okay. uh, Nicholas Latifi, I am going to go with a C. D. No, D, actually. I've just seen where he finished, 17th, behind Fernando Alonso, who got yeeted. Spun as, he spun as well. He did, he did. Uh, D for start. Latifi and Katie, who are you going to go for? I'm going to give Latifi a D. 
and the fans gave him a, a lowercase c uh, as opposed to all the uppercase c's that gave. I'm joking, I'm kidding. But that, that was literally a joke, literally for only for us, because no one else can see the sheet. Right, so uh, Latifi gets a C from the fans, which is very generous. Very Peace generous. Um, Nikita Mazepin. Uh, <laughs> what good a, did he get from he the just, fans? He was just fighting Mick Schumacher the whole race, so I'm going to give him a and C. And Lewis C. Hamilton at one point. Yeah, actually, no, yeah, that was bad with the blue flag. Yeah, that was pretty shocking. Okay, I'd D, put an F. D for that. D, for, that, uh, D for not noticing... The World Championship leader at the time is a bit poor form when you're a backmarker. Bad, isn't it? Uh, Katie, you giving him an F? I gave him an F because I just thought that oh. he ignored blue flags numerous times, getting into a, like a not a scuffle with Hamilton, but you know, causing unnecessary drama through his did driving. Did he finish standards. behind Mick? Actually, uh, he did. He finished twentieth. Oh, actually, and, he and they got lapped twice, both passes. So pretty shoddy from him cool. i had th- this is a <laughs> random uh story that's probably not that interesting but i'm going to tell it anyway Here we um, go. i had visions when um visions, uh, visions you know when bottas lapped mazapin and yeah. mick schumacher was right behind him mick let uh bottas and max through and i had visions that mick was going to think verstappen because he was in the white red bull was mick and race him Thankfully, he didn't, but then some reason raced Hamilton. So, yeah, I, I just I could just see that happening and him like well, thinking no, you it's... You can see Mazepin doing that, you mean? Mazepin thinking that Verstappen was Mick. Okay, that's a white sure Red Bull. Anyway, anyway uh, maybe I'm not listening to you properly, but either way, that's fine. <laughs> uh, great story, Tommy. It was confusing, but I know what you mean. Uh, oh, was that confusing? Okay. <laughs> no, I, I think you said Mick, but maybe I'm wrong. Okay. Anyway. Uh, yes, well, I'm glad that he didn't, but then, yeah, it's even worse that he fought Hamilton. Yeah, I, I'm uh, downgrading him to an E then because I didn't realize he finished okay, behind so Mick. D even and with e and an F. A D and E and an F, so that makes it an E. And the fans gave him an F. And then lol, Katie put afterwards. <laughs> and finally, Mick Schumacher, obviously amazing qualifying, got smashed by Alonso. I'm giving him a B. Yeah. yeah what, a sh- what a shame. Fair. Yeah, it was a shame. Would have been nice to have seen him. And the fans I get gave to him, do the race. By the 19th. Yeah. And the fans gave him a B and then a smiley face afterwards, Katie's written. So lovely. Uh, our predictions for the Turkish Grand Prix. I don't want oh. to go through this, but let's do it anyway. Vettel out qualifies <laughs> Stroll. Of course. Of course, I'm going to running joke when Stroll does a good qualifying performance. Disgusting. So that's zero points. And track is still slippery. I am going to take half a point for that. Because it's half a point. Rainy, no. half a point, I'll allow because mm. it was slippery. So don't you. Track is still slippery. You, you said in like IBR, this is the grippiest track of the, of the year or whatever. Yeah, in the dry, but I was predicting that it was going to be still slippery. And in the race, it was still slippery because people were still slippery. <laughs> slippery. <laughs> and I'm taking half a point. I don't even okay. care what you say. I am taking it now. But I think I do deserve half okay. a point because there is a little. <laughs> so I've got half a point actually. Oh, because uh, Mercedes <laughs> sent someone new up on the podium, and I put okay, new so podium finisher this season. No, come on, let's so... not be silly now. Let's not be silly. <laughs> silly. Yeah, uh, so uh, Alonso or um, Stroll didn't get on the podium. Yeah, that was a very niche. Uh, well, I just thought it's Turkey; it could be crazy. And yeah. then another brilliant prediction of <laughs> Hamilton and Verstappen on track controversy, and I don't think they were even on the same bit of racetrack I don't think they were in the same sector <laughs> yeah, the whole, the whole yeah. so brilliant zero points well done Tommy uh, Katie 
I went for Perez podium. So that's one point, which is cool. I love how Uh, that's supposed to be an out there prediction these days is Perez in a Red Bull. Yes, that is true, isn't it? Well, he hasn't done it since France, so... No, 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 we're saying... saying Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It's it's silly that it is an out there prediction uh, that you're predicting a Red Bull on the podium, but yeah, yeah. Here we are. Uh, and then are. both Alpines finish in the top 10, which didn't happen. So it did not happen. Sad noises. Sad noises and noises? Noises and no- noises. Fans. Rainy Rain underscore Vroom. Aston Martins clash together in race again. No. R Shepherd 1433. No points for Red Bull. No. Ishan underscore 2002. No one will go flat out at turn eight. I mean, they did in practice. Yeah, but then technically in the race, are we going to, I think. Doesn't say the race though. Yeah, <laughs> no one to be fair. So yeah, okay, yeah. right. Tom is just ruining Ishan's day. Sorry, Ishan. Uh, so <laughs> predictions for the US I Grand love Prix. Our fans. <laughs> predictions for the US Grand Prix. I have gone for crash at turn one. Not gone for any specific laps for that. I was going to say lap one, but I have not. I've kept it open. Red Bull and Mercedes miles clear of everyone else. So I've gone with that. I have a question. Yeah. Is it a crash at turn one at any point? Yeah, in the weekend or the, the whole it's open. it's open so it could be wow. like lap, lap 38 there could be a crash at turn one yeah yeah i think that's fair and also it could be <laughs> a crash at turn one in 2024 which i cash oh in <laughs> cash from your time. chips um but in the porsche super cup there was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes, good idea. that's actually finished now i will be watching oh, w yeah. series are there there you go. I'll be watching W Series for the second time. Uh, Red Bull and Mercedes, miles clear of everyone else. That's kind of, yeah. Both cars. I, I, mean, I don't think, yeah, uh, in terms of, you know, because obviously we've had midfield, some midfield cars being yeah. there. We'll judge. We'll judge. Yeah. How well I will Leclerc be the does. one who judges uh, what miles means. It might be 0.1 of a second. But uh, anyway, there you go. There's my two. Tommy. Mine is Bottas given team orders. It's James. And Leclerc top five race finish. Oh, lovely. Sorry, man. <laughs> yeah. Drinks. What are you saying? Sorry. Top five is fine. Oh, yeah, because you jinxed him. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Katie. Uh, I've gone for a mechanical failure for one of the championship contenders. Why would you and... predict that? What's wrong with you? Are you trying to ruin this championship? Yeah. Are you doing an anti jinx? Anti jinx, hopefully. Anti jinx. Okay. I'll allow that then. <laughs> and uh, Ricardo finishes ahead of Norris. Um, and I've also got to mention Alice in the Team WTF1 chat who says that she thinks Daniel will wear some American get-up, which I think is a great prediction. Facial hair. Because he normally you does. He's going to get like the, the the American. Oh, I really hope he doesn't get that the facial hair back. That was yeah. disastrous. He does, love, he does love Austin though, doesn't he? He he's does love yeah. Austin. He's definitely wearing like some a cowboy hat or something. Stetsons or something, I don't know. Yeah. Some chaps. And the fans. <laughs> Kendrink underscore says Latifi out qualifies Russell. Chill. Mm. Hold. F1 Aditya, McLaren double DNF and Mega versus Primus Mick to score points. There you go. And also, Ooh. want to say I wasn't being horrible at W Series. I'm sorry. It's just I don't really watch it. Anyway, there you go. I just thought that people would be angry that I was like the second time, but I don't. <laughs> do you do you watch it, Tommy? I've watched some of them. It's yeah. an awkward time actually because they do it after the Formula One qualifying. I think it is. Yeah, and obviously we're after. we're working. Yeah, so that's probably I don't why I've get never to seen like on television. Just yeah, to, yeah. Interesting. And Katie, I assume, do you, do you watch a lot? Or? Um, like Tommy says, sometimes it's difficult to watch them live because I'm like going mad with collie stories, but I try to watch where I can. Yeah. Solid. Better motorsport fan than I am. Okay. 
there you go. That's pretty much it. Uh, also, probably want to mention about the Team WTF1 event, the karting event, the 22nd of October. Go check that out. Uh, it's on our website, wtf1.com. Uh, there should be a big banner, I imagine. Is there a big banner? There is, yeah. yeah. It'll be in the description Sweet. as well. Lovely, lovely, lovely stuff. Uh, thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Katie. Tommy, what's your final thought? Um, Let you into a full set of security then. You thought I was yeah. out and then boom, <laughs> final thoughts. I was trying to think of a good headline because you say I've been throwing some headlines. Here we there. go. Cool. I can't think of one. That's the headline. Good. Katie. <laughs> I can't think. <laughs> Katie. Uh, oh, I also can't think. I completely forgot about final thoughts. Um, wow, Jesus. Have you had a nice ending. week? <laughs> That's it's not the race week. final thoughts we've ever <laughs> had. In it's, and my final thoughts is it's F1 Esports race week. So catch me there. Catch me outside. How about that? I'm on that for the second time. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Savage from Tommy. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'll take, I'll take that. That's fair. That's a fair... Fair point. Cool. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. Thank you to the Team WTF1 members watching along live as well. Uh, we'll see you for another podcast next week, as always. And uh, that's pretty much it. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Katie. And thank you to everybody watching. Please give us five stars, a thumbs up, subscribe, comment, <laughs> like the video. Take care. Bye. 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 Oh, double-handed wave. Bye.